Welcome to Strings Explained, the podcast where we guide you through the world of playing string family instruments such as the violin, viola, cello and double bass. I'm Emma Hardy, a violin maker and repairer based in London. I noticed that many families or adult learners can feel baffled or overwhelmed by the world of violins. So this podcast aims to be your place to find answers to questions like, what is a shoulder rest and why do I need one? Or where the heck can I buy a good violin without taking out a mortgage first? Or just simply, how can I get my child to practice? Throughout this series, we'll be going underneath all the violin-related jargon to make you feel at home in the world of the violin. Episode 1. Starting the violin, viola or cello. Lots of people come to the violin, viola or cello operating under the misapprehension that they'll have to play classical music when they're learning. I love classical music, but I can completely understand that it's not everyone's cup of tea. Stringed instruments turn up in practically every other genre of music, and there are teachers who specialise in many of them. You don't have to choose a classical teacher if you don't like classical music. In fact, if you really don't like classical music, I would strongly recommend that you find a teacher in a genre that you do like. If you're not playing music you like, you are unlikely to practice. So even though you might have to put a bit more effort into finding a teacher working within the genre you choose, it will be worth it in the long run. If you're struggling to figure out what option to go for, I found that the following categories you'll find a large amount of violin repertoire and correspondingly many teachers for these styles. Classical music. This is the most common genre associated with the violin, viola, and cello. Think Mozart, Bach, or Beethoven. But also there's modern classical music, like Einaudi, Philip Glass, and Arvo Part to explore. With learning music in this context, there's likely to be a focus on reading music notation, music theory, and classical technique, which just means the type of technique you need in order to reproduce those classical sounds. Vibrato is an example of something classical musicians use a lot of, which affects how you need to hold the instrument. Jazz music. Jazz music is a huge genre with so much history resulting in many different styles and sounds that it's hard to generalize. It originated in the 19th and early 20th centuries from the African-American communities of New Orleans, but has roots in blues and ragtime. Playing jazz involves swing notes, complex chords, and improvisation. Because of this, learning will focus on a really thorough knowledge of scales so that you can improvise or play jazz around the theme. Although it's useful to be able to read sheet music, some jazz musicians play primarily by ear, which is something that needs just as much learning and practice as reading. Pop music. I'm sure you all know what I mean when I say pop music. The violin appears in everything from Britney Spears to Coldplay. Pop music is often played on electric instruments in order to control the reverb or to get a different quality of tone. Although this is another huge genre, people usually get used to playing it via classical training. But you may be able to find a teacher that just focuses on pop if you look. Oh Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. Folk music. From Glen to Glen. Folk music is, again, another massive genre spanning different time periods and countries. 
Traditional folk music has been defined in several ways, such as music transmitted orally, music with unknown composers, or performed by custom over a long period of time. However, like classical music, there's also a modern genre that deviates from this. People often think that fiddles are different to the violin, they're actually the same instrument, but sometimes set up slightly differently to accommodate the different playing styles. Folk players often play more double stops, so their bridge on the instrument might be a bit flatter. And there's less vibrato involved, so many play without a shoulder rest. Although you can technically switch between any of these styles if you want to, it's probably best if you pick your favourite and the one you'll most likely want to play lots of. A quick thing to note is that the main UK exam boards, ABRSM and Trinity, only offer jazz or classical exams. Although the classical pathway does include a few pieces of different genres and styles, so you get to try them. Finding your teacher. Now that you've figured out what you want to play, you can start trying to find a teacher or group to learn with. You'll always get the most focused quality teaching if you can have a one-to-one -one teacher, but plenty of children and adults also start off by learning in a group environment. This can be good if budget is an issue, but also playing with a group of people is really fun experience on its own right. Even if you do have one-to-one -one lessons, you might want to consider finding a learning orchestra for you or your child so that you can get to learn how to keep time with others and immerse yourself in a way that is harder when you're playing alone. If you're looking for a teacher for your child, you can start by getting in touch with local music shops to see whether they have any personal recommendations. Music shops will know most of the teachers in the area and will normally be happy to point you at their favourite. Or you can do a simple Google but you should be looking for someone that is charging about the going rate, which will vary from area to area. So look at lots of people's prices to get an idea. Someone charging very little may be a bit suspicious unless they've stated it's for a good reason, such as they're working as a charitable entity. They will normally offer a child lesson for free or at a reduced price. This is great and you should definitely try out a few teachers to find your match. Everyone prefers to learn in a slightly different way and everyone teaches in a slightly different way. So it's really important to make sure that you like your teacher. I've been playing with my teacher for about four years now and I love her. Every lesson is great, which wasn't how I felt about previous teachers. If you're looking for a teacher for your child, you should check that they are DBS checked. If you're an adult, this may be less important, but you might feel like you want to check this anyway. As you've chosen your style of music, check that the teacher you're considering has experience with that style and is happy to work around that. If you're an adult learner, you'll probably prefer someone who is flexible. For example, my teacher allows me to move my days around at short notice sometimes, and who can travel to you as the hours around your working day can be limited and change regularly. If you're intending on learning the cello and will be traveling to your teacher, don't forget to think about how easy that will or won't be via your transport method. Is your car big enough? Will you need a light case if you're traveling far on public transport? I have seen someone cycling with a cello on their back once, but it looked a bit dicey. Children may also be able to access private lessons through school. This is something you can ask their musical form tutor about. Finding your instrument. All right, we've got our music style, we've got our teacher. Now we need an instrument. First thing to do is talk to the teacher you've lined up. Some teachers have very specific ideas about what you need and where you should get it from. 
Usually this is from years of experience of the vendors in your local area, so take their advice seriously. However, if your teacher is more of the easy go with the flow type and tells you to follow your heart's desire, here is where I would recommend you start. First port of call would be to find your local violin luthier. If you've never heard that word before, don't panic. It's not a word you'll have ever needed to hear before entering this world of stringed instruments. A luthier is just someone who makes or repairs stringed instruments. This can also include plucked strings like guitars, so make sure you're speaking to a bowed string luthier. They might also just go by violin maker, violin repairer, or violin shop. Although they say violin, most will usually serve violists and cellists, as they're all considered part of the violin family. But if you're a double bassist, you might have a slightly harder job as some luthiers don't have a big enough workshop to accommodate double basses. So it might be best to search for a double bass specialist from the start. Again, you can use Google to find potential candidates. You should check that the luthier has appropriate training from a school or has completed an apprenticeship. The most common training schools you might see mentioned are Newark, Merton, Mittenwald, Cremona and Mirkor. There are loads of others, though, and pretty much all of them are good. So if they have completed training, things are looking good. The luthier will usually be able to work within a budget you give them to find the most suitable instrument for you. For a child, you should consider renting first, as your child will need an upgrade in size every six months to two years, depending on how fast they grow. Adults could also consider renting too. A good quality violin is going to cost at least £400 and really more like six to £800 if you want it to carry you into intermediate level. So renting a violin around this value for £20 to £30 a month for the first year makes a lot of sense. Some places offer rent-to-buy schemes or will let you switch between instruments after a few months so you can learn what you like. Every instrument is unique with its own character so at this early stage it's a huge advantage not to tie yourself to one. At this point I'm going to get a bit more serious and beg you not to go and buy a £50 to £200 violin off Amazon. It will not end well. Putting aside the fact that those instruments will likely be made in unpleasant conditions for its workers, they also won't be set up properly. This will make it uncomfortable to play. If it breaks, it won't be easily fixable, as good quality violin is always made in a way that makes it repairable, hence why we have violins lasting hundreds of years. But also the poor setup will mean you'll sound even more screechy than most beginners and assume you're awful and then give up. If you wanted to take up cycling, you wouldn't buy a bike with square wheels, so trust me on this one. If you can't stretch your budget for a good quality violin, rent one. There is zero shame or stigma attached to this in the violin world. Famous soloists who tour the world playing Stradivarius violins often don't own their own instruments and have been loaned it by a museum or private benefactor. If being loaned an instrument is good enough for Sheku Kane Mason, then it is good enough for me. Some of the things that you'll need are rosin, which you rub on the bow hair to create friction, which makes the bow vibrate. Speaking of which, you'll need a bow, a case, and probably a shoulder rest. At some point, I'll do a blog post or podcast episode about specific accessories, but speak to the luthier you're buying off and they'll be able to recommend things. So if there's one thing I could choose that you take away from this section, it would be to speak to a good luthier. If you do that, you don't need to spend hours scouring the internet for what type of violin to get or what brand shoulder rest to buy. They'll be able to talk you through your individual needs and give you an answer within minutes. So that's it. We've got our musical style, we've got our teacher, and now we've got our instrument. That should be enough to get you started with.
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a review, which helps us to become more visible to others. 